In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Tamar Hallerman, the AJC's Washington correspondent. How's it going, Tamar? I'm back, baby. <laughs> You've never been gone. <laughs> well, today we're talking about uh, the big news from just a few days ago, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Channel 2 Action News poll uh, that showed we have quite the race for governor here in Georgia, don't we, Tamar? Holy mackerel. Yeah. So this is, I believe, our second poll of the year with two more to go. Do I have that right? We had one in January as well that was more of a legislative poll, but yeah. I was just so amazed at, at kind of the, the top line from, from this poll, and that's that the Democrat Stacey Abrams and Republican Brian Kemp are deadlocked right now um, with 45% support from the likely voters that, that UGA talked to for us. Um, and I think that's that's pretty darn amazing for this point in the race, don't you think? Yeah, this was a University of Georgia uh, poll from the School of Public and International Affairs. They interviewed about 1,000 people. Um, it's a 3.1% margin of error. Uh, and they were um, – they're our new polling company that we hired earlier this year. And uh, in the primary, especially on the Republican side, um, their polls all reflected the internal polls that we heard about um, from from both sides. And again, in this case, we're hearing from, from pundits and, and, and analysts and – campaign folks who have done their own polls saying that this dead even tight nature of the race is exactly what they're showing. Some other interesting tidbits from the poll real quick. Uh, not only are Abrams and, and Kemp at 45 apiece, but um, just 8% of the respondents were undecided and uh, only about 2% support Libertarian Ted Metz. So that shows there's not too many, too much of the electorate that still uh, is trying to figure it out. That's pretty amazing considering that we have still two months before voters hit the polls too. And I think it just shows how polarized we are right now in this moment. Not only that, but how energized Democrats are at the moment. Um, you know, this is a state where Democrats have not held the governorship since 2002, I believe, since since a sunny election. And so it seems like there really is some some energy right now, but it also shows at what a tiny sliver of the electorate that, that Kemp and Abrams are going to be fighting for over the next two months. And here's where it gets interesting. I mean, both, and we've already established this for, for a while, this is no surprise, both of them have pretty much consolidated their bases. Um, both of them, 90% of Democrats say they're supporting Stacey Abrams, 91% of Republicans say they're supporting Brian Kemp. Um, 
independents are where it gets a little squishier, about 15% of independents. Uh, Abrams is actually leading with independents, but about 15% of independents, especially those who, who are sort of already leaning um, to the right, uh, say that they're, they're still up for grabs. But uh, to Abrams, this is very, very good news because uh, she, she's, of course, she's trying to appeal to independents and moderates, but her entire campaign is also based on changing the electorate on expanding it. So if she's already doing this well with, with core Democrats, um, they're very optimistic that they can increase the number of, of core Democrats uh, who, who, who often vote in, let's say, presidential re- elections, but, don't, but often skip these midterms. She's trying to get them in, involved and interested in these midterms. And so they see this as a, as a, as a potentially good sign. Well, two things that that I want to ask you about. First is is yes, it is very notable that that the Democrat and the Republican are are tied right now. Um, but at the same time, we saw this in 2014, didn't we, with, with Jason Carter and, and Nathan Deal, and and it took to you know the last few weeks of the race before Governor Deal kind of took off and solidified his his lead. Yeah, I mean, the moment I got this uh, this poll back shortly before we reported it, I looked back at a 2014 poll we had done. Um, about two months before the race that showed Carter and Deal neck and neck. And of course, uh, it was only one of several polls that showed them tight. And we were writing stories about a potential runoff uh, in the governor's race and, and all these stories because the polls reflected that. Well, what we saw was Republicans gained steam, consolidated support, and, and Nathan Deal ended up winning by about eight points. And I'll never forget um, being on the campaign bus with Governor Deal uh, about, let's say, 10 days before the election and his campaign staff had kind of seen their own latest internal numbers and looked at early voting. And I remember one of his aides came back to the bus and a smile and said, we got this. It's over. So, you know, maybe that was a little too optimistic, but it ended up being right. Um, so these things have a way of sort of, you know, solidifying near the end. And so that's a cautionary tale for 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 Democrats who are who are who are very uh, excited about this. But at the same time, Democrats think that they have this sort of wave consolidation type of effect near the end. And so if it's close and there's some sort of, you know, tidal energy that propels Democrats all over the nation, it could really help Stacey Abrams. One thing that was really interesting looking at the favorability ratings of these two candidates, um, Kemp and Abrams have about equal favorability with the, the voters that are likely voters that that we polled. Um, what was interesting was Kemp had sl- like slightly higher unfavorable numbers, but Abrams was kind of more of an unknown quantity, Um, something like about a third of the poll response, or no, 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 Um, roughly a quarter, sorry, of the voters, likely voters that they polled had no opinion. Um, And I'm wondering if that's a good thing for her um, going into the final two months of campaigning, or if that does leave an opening for Kemp. Kemp has been a statewide figure um, for uh, roughly a decade now, um, because he's at he's at the Secretary of State's pulpit, which is a prominent position in Georgia. He oversees all sort of business licenses and all that, but also, of course, the state's elections. Um, and so, his name recognition you'd think would be higher, but also after Abrams won the primary, she became, um, you know, she was already a national figure, but she kind of skyrocketed. Um, as an even bigger, more prominent national figure, she she hit the uh, the national t- uh, late night show circuit. She traveled the nation, you know, f- for her book tour and for other things. So it was a little surprising to me that that she still has some work to do in terms of getting people to have an opinion on her overall. Um, but I don't. I think the next two months will take care of that because you're. We've already seen 
ads from the Republican Governors Association, from the Democratic Party of Georgia, from both the campaigns. And pretty soon, Georgia voters won't be able to avoid any sort of attention about this race. One thing with this poll, and I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you think about it. You mentioned how the Libertarian ca- uh, candidate, Ted Metz, has about 2% support. I mean, that's small, that's within the margin of error. But I'm wondering if you think there's any probability that he could potentially be a spoiler in this race. There's always that probability. And we saw that in a, uh, is a 2008 Senate race, um, Saxby Chambliss, Jim Martin, where the Libertarian got a couple percentage points, I think a three or four, and ended up pushing that race into a very, very grueling runoff. Um, both the campaigns are kind of dim on that possibility for this year um, because the the Libertarian starting at two or two or three percent. And um, and they're hoping that those numbers can get even lower as more campaign advertising amps up. And, you know, you're hearing the same messages from both campaigns, which is more is at stake in this gubernatorial election than ever before in Georgia, which is always the message you hear in, in, in state races like this. But, you know, it just conveys to the voters, you know, not to, quote unquote, waste the vote. And to libertarians um, who are very excited about Ted Metz, you know that that's sort of an insult. Uh, but to but to Republicans and Democrats who may not be enamored of their of their party's nominee, um, it it could be a pretty telling message to get them to say, yeah, even if you're not 100 percent on board, um, vote for the nominee so that we can avoid this sort of runoff. Sure, sure. Another figure that struck me, you know, we we mentioned that about eight percent of likely voters um, were still undecided in this race. And and traditionally, as we get into the final stretch, it's always kind of a race to woo independents, who in Georgia tend to be a little more Republican. Um, and of those, though, only about 14% of them are, are undecided. It's just so mind boggling to me how, um, how people kind of know already. I assumed there'd be still a lot more undecided. There's so much nasty messaging, and I'd assume people would want to kind of take a step back. And it's it's pretty amazing how dug in everybody is at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I guess if you look at the other, the flip side of the coin is that this race has been going on for almost a year and a half now. Well, longer than that, you know, in the shadow campaign. But uh, Brian Kemp was the first candidate to get in the race back in April. And Stacey Abrams got in over the summer. Casey Cagle had been campaigning, had been pretty much preparing for this run for for, for the last eight years or longer. Um, so, so you know, they had already kind of laid the groundwork. Um, and both of the candidates have done such a good job at, at consolidating their bases, at making sure that, that the Democrats and Republicans who are firmly aligned with either party um, are backing their candidates. That it means that you know the the. The, the 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 smaller margin of undecideds out there uh, could play an important role. But I want to add, too, that Abrams' campaign has always kind of pushed back on that line because, yes, they're trying to get those, those independents, but they're trying to sort of change the game here in Georgia. They're trying to expand the electorate in such a dramatic way um, that, you know, they could foreseeably lose some of these, a, a big chunk of these independents and moderates and still win the election. One of the, my favorite parts of, of the poll, you know, whenever, whenever we do them, is, is looking into the issues that local voters really say they care about anyway. Um, and, and to see how that kind of changes, you know, based on the, the national discussion coming out of the White House and on, on Capitol Hill. Um, and I think what we got from UGA is going to kind of speak to perhaps how the candidates are going to keep moving in the next few months. Um, 
a quarter of the respondents said that the economy is going to be the most important factor to them when they go to the poll. Um, but but when you kind of break it down a little more between the, the Democrats and the Republicans, um, uh, for Republicans, the, the first issue was the economy, but the second one was, was immigration, which did not surprise me, actually. But we found that a lot of the social issues like guns and religious liberty you know, were not as important to folks. Those those maybe were, you know, the fifth or sixth most important issue to people. For Democrats, they, they said the most important issue to them was health care, which is not surprising given um, a lot of the messaging we've seen from Stacey Abrams on expanding Medicaid and rural hospitals and, and health care. Yeah, and independents in, were interesting too because they pointed to public school education as their most important issue. And so the three big issues, health care, uh, education and economy are the three big issues we've seen Stacey Abrams travel the state uh, uh, touting her policies on. And we've seen Brian Kemp start to step up his messaging, at least on economy as well lately, um, with a series of events highlighting his small business proposals and policies too. But um, as you mentioned, you know, the social, other than immigration, um, some of the hot button sort of social issues uh, took a backseat role. To, to these three big, huge other policies. I mean, we, we also polled vo- voters on whether religious liberty, whether uh, gun laws, whether support for Donald Trump were animating their votes. And uh, only single digits, only four or five percent of those voters said that those were their top issues. So, you know, this is this is not a huge surprise, but economy, 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 jobs, 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 um, you know, really helped dictate these elections. And then a close second place to issues like healthcare and public school. And the interesting part about the healthcare is Democrats said that's their most important factor. Many of them are, are very supportive of expanding Medicaid. And Stacey Abrams' pitch on the campaign trail, whether it be you know rural economic growth, whether it be fighting the opioid abuse, whether it be you know, uh, improving Georgia's system of rural hospitals, uh, it starts and ends with Medicaid expansion. It also kind of explains the, the picture from, from Brian Kemp um, going from the, the primary and the runoff into the general. Um, as he was trying to woo his base voters, as he was facing off head to head against Casey Cagle, you saw these really flashy ads with his shotgun blowing stuff up, rounding up illegal immigrants in his pickup truck. But in his first few ads in this general election cycle, it's taken a very different tone, emphasizing his credentials as a businessman, um, talking about the economy. So it all kind of makes perfect sense, given, um, given these poll numbers we've gotten back. Oh yeah, the pyrotechnics and power tools and pickup trucks that we saw doing the the primary cycle are they're gone and his his latest ad shows Marty Kemp his wife talking about how he is too honest to be a politician. Um and he's he's traded in language about rounding up criminal illegals uh, in a in his pickup truck for uh preserving and rewarding legal behavior. Uh so that's how we've seen that sort of tonal change. And I think we're going to see continue to see um more of a shift from him, especially given some of these poll numbers. And I know their poll numbers are, are broadly reflective of that because if you look at two, the other big takeaway was this points to the limits of, of, of President Trump's popularity in Georgia. This is the second poll that we've done this year that showed he's, his approval ratings are, are below 50% in Georgia. This showed his approval ratings above about 42% of likely Georgia voters. And for a candidate like Brian Kemp, who is so closely tied himself uh, to Donald Trump and benefited from Donald Trump's surprise endorsement uh, right before the runoff, uh, this could be a bad omen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like we've seen in 
past polls, um, you know, Trump is still broadly popular with the Republican base. 85% of likely Republican voters um, said they approved of the job Trump was doing. So it makes complete sense why Kemp was tying, you know, was lining himself up so closely with the president in, in the primary. Um, I think we're going to see as, as time moves on, um, of course, we, we, we know that that Vice President uh, Mike Pence is going to be coming back into town later this month. It's very possible President Trump is going to come down and campaign for Kemp. But beyond that, I think we're going to see much more of a pivot toward Nathan Deal and his legacy, because another big takeaway from this poll is how popular Governor Deal still is. He got a 63% approval rating in our poll, um, including half of Democrats and 64% of, of independents. Um, so I think that shows kind of the, the pathway that um, Kemp might be taking as he looks to the general election. Yep. And, and nearly three quarters of Georgia's voters, Democrats and Republicans included, feel like the state is on the right track and the economy is is doing either excellent or, or good or well. Um, so that that also speaks to, you know, the 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 deal, the Kemp pitch about extending Nathan Deal's legacy. Uh, but he has a balancing act. And at the same time, he's trying to broaden his appeal to reach out to moderates who might not be fans of Trump. He also has to be mindful of, of Trump's remarkable remarkable ability to energize the, the Republican base, as he he is testament to, because, of course, you know he was already up in all the polls uh, against Casey Giggle before Trump's endorsement. But afterwards, it turned it into a 40-point blowout. Yeah, exactly. And he has to be careful because Trump's base is his base. Um, and, and these voters have shown that they will stick with the president through thick and thin, and you do not want to get on the wrong side of that. And one more um, Trump tidbit we have from this poll shows the energy behind Democrats around Trump. You know, e- even if the candidates themselves are trying to not make this race about Trump, and, and clearly Stacey Abrams is. I mean, I just was on was with her for a few day campaign swing, and she didn't mention Trump's name, I don't think, once. Um, she does not want to turn this race, at least at this point, into a referendum on Donald Trump. But uh, Trump could be her a big ally to her either way. About one third of Georgia voters said they're more politically active since Trump's election. Many of them are Democrats. And roughly 40% of voters said they were less likely to back Trump-connected candidates. That's half of women and 84% of Democrats. So clearly, he is, this, he is remaining this polarizing, animating figure in Georgia politics. Yeah, particularly among Democrats, it was nearly half who said that they were more politically active since the election. That's a pretty amazing figure. By contrast, only about one fifth of, of of Georgians are more likely to support candidates linked to Trump, and that's about half of Republicans and only ten percent of independents. So, you know, we're going to be hearing a lot more whether the candidates are saying it or not. We're going to be hearing a lot more about Trump in these next two months, aren't we? Never heard of him. <laughs> Well, Tamar, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. 
Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.